Greetings, this is Douglas Gimple, Senior Portfolio Specialist at Diamond Hill Capital Management, and this is Understanding Edge. During the turmoil and volatility that the markets experienced in March and early April, investors that had been on the sidelines for the preceding months took advantage of spread widening in the high-yield market to either increase their current allocation or initiate a position in the asset class. The spread on the ICE Bank of America High-Yield Index peaked on March 23rd at 1,087 basis points and has subsequently rallied to spread levels near 700 since the beginning of the month of May. Stimulus and support issued from the U.S. government has been the main factor driving the rally in spreads as well as the price action we've seen in the markets and begs the question, has the opportunity in the high-yield market already passed us by? To help me answer that question, I'm joined on today's podcast by Bill Zox, co-portfolio manager at Diamond Hill. Bill has been managing high-yield portfolios for nearly 20 years and brings a wealth of experience to the conversation. As we work through these unprecedented times, I ask for your understanding for any sound quality issues that may arise. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bill Zox. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. As I referenced in the introduction, I'm hoping that you'll be able to help answer the question, has the opportunity to invest in the high yield market already passed us by? Knowing that we're going to see ongoing volatility based on news pertaining to both the reopening of the economy and the ongoing pandemic, what are your thoughts about investors' opportunity in the high yield market right now? Sure, thanks, Douglas. Uh, I mean, the, the premise of your question is first that prices have increased quite a bit over the last two months. And that's true for high yield. It's true much more for equities. So I think stocks are up 33 to 35% from the lows on March 23rd. And investment grade corporate bonds and high yield are both up quite a bit over the last two months, not nearly as much as equities. But if you step back, the first point I would make is that with the spread over 700 basis points in high yield, that is a very attractive starting point. Uh, John McClain joined me in the middle of 2014. And since that time, we have spent only less than 10% of the time in the high yield market has the spread been above 700 basis points. And the long run average and median spread in high yield has been closer to 500 basis points in over 70% of the time since the middle of 2014, we've been below 500 basis points spread. So the outlook over the next few months or even years is very uncertain. And that's why spreads are wide right now. But I am confident that over the next five years, we will spend a fair amount of time below that 500 basis point spread level in high yield. And I'm confident that returns will be very attractive from this starting point for a long-term investor. So let's go with the assumption that there's going to be more of a, of a W-shaped recovery with another leg down at some point before we finally work our way out of the current environment. What would you say to those investors that think that maybe they should hold off on the chance that they'll see wider spreads sooner rather than later? 
Yeah, well, that, that concern is, is, is a valid concern for all risk assets. We feel strongly that a strategic allocation to high yield makes sense. It's been a very attractive asset class from a return and risk standpoint over a long period of time. And you may want to adjust your strategic allocation to all risk assets based on concerns about where we go from here. But I am confident that equities will bear the brunt of another leg down in risk assets the most, followed by high yield, and then investment-grade corporate bonds will hold up the best. And we take into account those considerations when we're managing our strategies. Uh, but I, I don't think it makes sense to, to make wholesale changes to a strategic allocation by getting into or getting out of entire asset classes based on a very uncertain outlook. So Bill, one of the headlines that we continually see regarding the corporate market is the prospect of investment grade corporate names being downgraded, moving them into the high yield market, which is better known as fallen angels. We've already seen some rather sizable names uh, enter the high yield market. What are your thoughts on how the high yield market has absorbed those names and how will the continued flow of fallen angels impact that area of the market? Sure. The, the, the first thing I, I want to mention about fallen angels is on March 23rd, the Fed in partnership with the Treasury announced two facilities to by investment grade corporate bonds, both in the new issue market and in the secondary market. And then on April 9th, the Fed extended those facilities to post March 22nd fallen angels as long as the bonds do not fall below double B minus. So that has had a very significant impact on both the investment grade and the high yield market. And post-March 22nd, Fallen Angels have done materially better than pre-March 22nd, Fallen Angels, although both have done quite well since the high-yield market bottomed on March 23rd. So that is one important point, is that the government support is helping this very material transition of investment grade corporate bonds into the high yield market. We've probably seen close to $200 billion year to date of fallen angels. And it's quite possible that we'll see uh, hundreds of billions of dollars more over the next say year to two years. And there was all sorts of consternation that fallen angels would take down the high yield market. We were never that concerned, our experience with fallen angels is that the bonds become very attractively priced while they are still in the investment grade index, but the dedicated investment grade buyers have given up on them and sold them. And before the bonds enter the high yield index, where the dedicated high yield investors will start to buy them, that liquidity vacuum between investment grade and high yield has quite often created attractive opportunities if we like the credit. 
And we're approaching it the same way in this cycle by taking a hard look at potential fallen angels and quite often getting involved while they are still investment grade. And then historically, when they enter the high yield index, they frequently outperform. So Bill, you mentioned uh, some of the actions taken by the federal government. So let's talk about that. Um, what they've done so far dwarfs any efforts that were made in 2008 and 2009 during the financial crisis, um, expanding you know, this time into the corporate market, bringing back a more diverse version of the term asset-backed securities lending facility, or TALF, amongst uh, the many efforts. How would you grade the actions of the federal government so far? I would grade the actions at let's say an A minus, and the most important point is that the Fed's actions along with Treasury and Congress have opened up the primary markets or the new issue markets in both the investment grade corporate bond space and the high yield space. And that is incredibly important. Those markets were effectively shut down in the middle of March and by the end of March, investment grade corporate bonds had a record level of issuance. So that was a dramatic turnaround in what was a completely broken investment grade corporate bond market, even into the third week of March, uh, opened wide open by the end of the month. And you could say the same thing about high yield. It took a little bit longer to open up high yield after April 9th, when the Fed extended those facilities to post-March 22nd fallen angels, it really opened up the high yield market. So if you follow the news, you'll see lots of criticism of these facilities and uh, in design and in implementation, it's very difficult and it's very easy to criticize the details of it. But the most important thing is that it really opened up the private financing, and that's why I graded an A minus. So let's let's dig a little deeper into talking about the government support of the corporate markets. I'll put you on the spot, and I'm going to ask, you know, why is it important for the credit markets to be functioning? Why not just let nature take its course and you know take the Darwinian approach of allowing only the strongest companies to survive? Um, and have kind of a culling of the herd within the corporate space? Sure, that, um, you know, that, that's an interesting question and also a very uh, popular topic in the news. But the reality is that the government will intervene every time. That's, if you go through history, the government always steps up at a certain point. The, the real important question is, how much damage will be done before the government does intervene? Where where will the government draw the line? And how do you position your portfolio to avoid being on the wrong side of that line? Uh, But I think it's, it's just a fact of life when you have fractional reserve banking and you have leverage in the system that you're going to have bank runs or other similar kinds of runs and you're going to have forced deleveraging. And that's what we saw in March. 
and sometimes private markets, notwithstanding what you learn in the textbooks, sometimes private markets are not able to find that equilibrium without assistance from the government. And uh, so the, the government will step up. The political calculus is, is quite simple. If politicians want to stay in power, they've got to step up. And as history shows, they do every time. So we've seen a substantial recovery across asset classes from the lows that were reached in March and early April. How do you reconcile valuations in the market right now, given the historic economic impact illustrated by, you know, never before seen levels of unemployment, far reaching economic shutdown in, in areas such as air travel that may never be the same again? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that we're undergoing enormous change, some of which will be permanent and there's enormous uncertainty. We do not know when the economy will even be in a state that we can analyze in the context of what we've seen before. We're in a, an extremely uncertain state right now. But prices do reflect a fair amount of uncertainty in the credit markets. And, and that's really what I want to focus on when answering this question. High yield spreads have doubled from where they were in the middle of February, roughly 300. 50 basis points to over 700 basis points. And investment grade spreads have also doubled from roughly 100 basis points to 200 basis points. So prices do reflect uh, some level of uncertainty. They were much lower two months ago, but since then the government has provided tremendous support to the credit markets and credit market participants have confidence that the government will do even more if necessary to make sure that credit markets are functioning. And functioning credit markets will allow these current bonds that are, have, still have very attractive spreads to be refinanced. And that's ultimately what matters to the holders of these bonds today is that the bonds are refinanced and you get your principal back at maturity. And I think there's confidence that the environment will normalize over the next several years, and that in the meantime, the government will do whatever is necessary to make sure that the credit markets are functioning. Bill, my last question for you. Uh, as we move through this cycle, and eventually, you know, we're gonna come out on the other side of all of this, however it may look at that point, how do you think leveraged finance will look and how will it have evolved um, post this crisis? Sure, I think every time you go through a crisis, the, the market will come out stronger because you have another set of data as to how the market performs under extreme circumstances. So uh, I do think leveraged finance will pass the test, will we'll meet this test of this crisis, and the market will grow in large part because of the fallen angels where some meaningful portion of the investment grade market will enter the leveraged finance market. I think in terms of the 
how you divide up the pie between high yield bonds, leverage loans, and private credit. High yield bonds will grow as a percentage of the leverage finance market, and loans will most likely decline. Private credit will play a growing role in leverage finance. And I think that the market will force leverage companies and also investment grade companies to deleverage over the next five years. Leverage has increased both because of the decline in earnings due to the pandemic, but also due to the significant financing that companies have done so that they're in a position to survive this very uncertain economic environment. And the leveraged credit markets and the investment grade credit markets will impose discipline coming out of the crisis that will force companies to deleverage over the next five years. So I think that that will be a benefit to investors in leveraged credit as there will be less supply and credit quality will improve over the next five years. Bill Zox, Portfolio Manager at Diamond Hill Capital Management. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Hopefully the next time that we can do this, uh, we'll be able to do it on a face-to-face basis. Thank you. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by Diamond Hill Capital Management. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. These opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Reliance upon this information is at the sole discretion of the listener. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal.